When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit of teeth. Welcome back to After the Snap. Spring has officially sprung. I don't know if that's actually true. I think there's like an official spring sprung date. Spring has sprung here in Atlanta, Georgia. It is beautiful outside. Spring training is on the TV. All is right in the world. Reed, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great. Spring has definitely sprung here in Texas. It's definitely starting to warm up. Can't speak about Buffalo. I know they're supposed to be getting some snow this weekend. And it always, I, I, I saw the uh, uh, probably about a week ago, uh, one of the local weathermen that I follow on uh, Twitter, he said, there has never been an April in Buffalo without snow. Didn't it snow in like May, like a couple of years ago? I think it did. A couple of years ago, I, 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 I'll never forget, I have a vivid memory of one of my first off-seasons going back in April for our report date. And I showed up, pulled into my apartment complex on, I think it was maybe a Friday afternoon, woke up Saturday morning, and there was about a half-inch thick sheet of ice on my car after like a, a freeze overnight with some snow. Uh, and I had to kind of yank my door open, but so that was fun. But yeah, never, never a Buffalo April without snow. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, we've got a ton to cover today. NFL free agency has commenced. MLB spring training has also commenced, and it is so nice seeing MLB on TV. I was watching the Yankees play the Blue Jays this afternoon. And March Madness first weekend was absolutely bonkers. We will get into all of the March Madness chatter here shortly. But first, let's get into some NFL talk. There have been a a ton of moves in the last week, trades, free agent signings. The one thing that's notable to me and that is like really stuck out is how good the AFC is in terms of QBs. Yeah. There are, uh, across the board, the top quarterback race is going to be highly, highly contested. You can't even fit all of them into the top 10 in the AFC. You know, it was pretty funny the other day when our GM, Brandon Bean, he actually said like he would vote in favor of realignment to go to the NFC just because, like you said, I mean, the AFC is just absolutely stacked right now. Uh, I mean, just to name a few of the uh, new quarterbacks, you know, Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland, which likely means Baker is going somewhere, not really sure. Colts traded for Matt Ryan, obviously former Super Bowl, not Super Bowl winner, but he has he did get Atlanta to the Super Bowl. The Broncos traded for Russell Wilson. That division, Chris and I hit on it a little bit last week, that division is just going to eat itself alive. Every game this season is just going to be crazy. I mean, you could really see anybody winning that division at this point. Not to mention, and you, I mean, you said Matt Ryan has played in a Super Bowl. He also was the was the league MVP in 2016. I think a lot of people forget that. Offensive player of the year in 2016 as well. He was all pro, four-time pro bowler. Like People, talk, people have talked poorly about Matt Ryan in the last couple of years, but – Going to an indie team, team around him, if we're being honest. Going to an indie team with an offensive line that is arguably the best in the league, with great receivers and a great running game that's going to 
you know, go in tandem with what he's doing at the quarterback position, I think that they are going to have a very, very, very good team quickly with Matt Ryan at the helm. Absolutely. You guys are kind of creeping up on it as well, but new new head coaches, th- those teams that have new head coaches, you guys are reporting soon. It's March 22nd today as we record, but I believe you guys report on April 4th, is it? Monday, April yeah. 4th. Uh, yeah. the, the teams with new head coaches, you guys get uh, an extra two weeks on the front end of the off season to kind of come in and do some extra meeting time. I think some extra workouts as well. Uh, I know we went, I remember the year we went through that, uh, my first off season with coach McDermott and the new crew uh, well, when they were new here in Buffalo. But uh, there's a handful of teams that will be reporting back to their facilities here in a couple weeks, but uh, we still got about, you know, about a month. I think we report on the 18th, uh, the two weeks later. So, uh, looking forward to that. Still taking advantage of the off season, having fun, enjoying ourselves, grilling, grilling up a lot of good, good barbecue out here. But you guys are are really are, are kind of creeping up on on reporting. Yeah, I, I mean, I leave I leave to go back down to Miami in a under a week. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I mean, I I I wanted to have some time to you know get in the building and and get sort of reacclimated down to SoFlo before we actually started like day one workouts and stuff. So, and you, you uh, were down there a couple weeks ago, correct? For I the was, business combine? I, I was just for a couple of days. I mean, it was like four days. You were able, you were able to meet. I did. Coach, yeah. Coach Daniels, right. I sat in his office for probably close to 30 minutes and we just talked, got to know each other a little bit and, Great, great dude. Everything that you see in the media is is kind of him. That's just his personality. Super quirky and he's hilarious. Like he's a big fan of Zach Galifianakis. So he was making. Uh, it was funny. Between he, two um, ferns. Between two ferns. Yeah. He well. He actually made that joke. He he said, "I want guys to feel comfortable coming into my office." He said, "You know, they they were nice enough to give me a couch in here, and with the couch, he said, I put." a fern on each side of the couch so that when you come in my office, you can sit between two ferns. And I, I died laughing. Yeah, it was great. amazing. A lot of personality. He's he, he was on Pat McAfee's show maybe two weeks ago. And I mean, I watched the whole, he was on there for almost an hour and I watched the whole thing, just kind of seeing how he, how he interacts. And that's kind of like his, that's like where he thrives is that like awkward kind of funny, just, banter platform and so i i really enjoy that sense of humor so it's uh, it's going to be really good yeah that's great um so nfl draft is coming up i guess that's kind of uh, you guys are reporting uh yeah. here in uh, you know a week or two we'll report a couple weeks later and then the next big thing after that uh that a lot of people are looking forward to is the draft obviously you know it's it's uh it's really the biggest, I would say, outside of free agency and the combine. I'd say the draft is probably the biggest um, off-season event uh, for for the NFL. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Combine has come and gone. We sort of moved into pro day workouts. You're see, you're starting to see. I, I saw Malik Willis's videos. I guess his pro day was today or yesterday. You know, I saw some headlines out of. Out of Pittsburgh, uh, Kenny Pickett. They said that they said that between the combine, like two weeks ago, and now his pro day, his hand actually grew. A big thing for quarterbacks is is they they measure your hand size because that clearly means that you can throw a football better, right? I don't. They said Joe Burrow had small hands, but I mean, I'm sure there's some analytics behind it. They said at the combine, his hand was an, it was eight and a half inches, and at his pro day, it was eight and five eighths inches. So it's grown an eighth of an inch in the last two weeks. What, what do we <laughs> think? What do we combine. think that they? What do we think that they did to grow his hand? What, what do we? What, what's what's our what's our theory here? What's the uh, what's the exercise thing that you squeeze with your hand? Like a stress ball? You know that, yeah, that device 
Oh, like, had, like a, two like bars a on it. Machine. Like a, yeah, you, wanna, you like just a lot do of that. Receivers do that. See, I, I feel like that would. I, I, I feel like that would have the opposite effect. I'm see. I'm just picturing him tying some kind of device onto his fingers, and then he would have like a two and a half pound weight on the end of all of these devices, just, like a rope but, on his finger. And then he would just like three or four times a day, he would just stand upright with these weights hanging off of his fingers towards the ground and, and just let gravity go to work. But it's just his pinky and his thumb because that's really all they measure. I, yeah, I got no idea. I mean, did he, did he like, I don't know. I really don't know. Did he like crack his knuckle and that freed up an extra eighth inch of space? Like, isn't what, what hand, we isn't hand stretching? Isn't hand stretching a thing? Like, hasn't that been a, a, a tactic used by quarterbacks before? Like, I, they do like massage therapy and like stretching your hands. I've I've heard of that being a thing. I just don't know. Like, you had all this time b- before the combine. Like, how did it not have any kind of effect between then and the combine and then in the last two weeks? Now, oh, now Maybe they didn't think eight and a half would be a big deal. And then when at the combine, I guess there was a lot of hubbub about it, about his hands being too small. It almost seems fishier now, though, that it's different between the combine and the pro day. But who knows? Back in, I think, 2013 when we drafted EJ Manuel, then GM Buddy Nix had stated in post press conferences of the draft that they selected EJ Manuel and hand size was a big part of it so he can grip and rip through this Buffalo weather. Now, I, I, I do. I definitely am on board with that because um, I know there was a big story about Flacco when he came out of college that Baltimore, when they drafted him, I guess the GM said something about they needed a guy with strong arm the strong you know arm power to be able to throw it in the cold weather which I, I do think is a is that is a very tangible thing for quarterbacks to be able to do but I, yeah I don't I, as far as the hand size I don't even know I mean I feel like that would be equally as important for long snappers right I don't know what my hand size was. I feel like that's that 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 would be an important thing for for snappers to be graded on as well. But I I don't know. I don't think they ever made a big deal about it for my like for me. Either. They just take the measurement and move on yeah. to the next person. If they didn't like, take the measurement, it's as good as if they did. I wanted to talk about David Ojabo. Did you see what happened to him a couple of days ago? I did, and I saw some headlines just kind of reacting to how the, I guess, general reaction was at his pro day. For the listeners who have not seen it, David Ojabo, Michigan edge rusher, tore his Achilles at his pro day. And there was a little bit of a reaction by the media and fans because it seemed like that the coaches and the scouts and the people who are on hand to watch the pro day were just, they just didn't care. Like they were like somebody went and picked up the football that he had dropped and just was like, all right, time to move on to the next guy. Like they, they were just like less than worried about the fact that he had just torn his Achilles. I think there's two sides to that, right? Like you can't just stop the entire event for, an hour and, and just make like this huge ordeal out of it because there are other guys that have trained for weeks, months to perform well at this pro day because they don't have the opportunity to do so at the combine. But at the same time, I feel like you do have to respect the fact that he just really seriously injured himself and needs medical attention. And it didn't seem like that that was given to him. That's just a super, I mean, good grief, super unfortunate event. I mean, he was, you know, like you mentioned, superstar player. I mean, a premier position on the football field. I mean, potential top 10 pick. I mean, this guy is is superstar freak. I saw him play a couple times. 
this season, obviously when Michigan was kind of in that primetime game. But just hitting on the insurance piece of things, I mean, it's it's a very uh, polarizing argument, I would say, because a lot a lot of people are not really in the middle as far as the the you know getting an insurance policy. You know, it's 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 not viewed. You know, it, it, guys were just starting to kind of break into that world when I was going through school. I know there was a handful of guys that I knew of. Not at LSU, but a handful of guys that that kind of the media propped up that that kind of had those insurance policies going into their senior years, uh, prepping you know those high draft picks, getting ready you know just in case something happened. Uh, but Jalen Smith, just uh, reading off this article here on CBS Sports, the insurance policy that he had, um, he was he was the third player taken in the second round. Uh, number 34 overall by the Cowboys uh, in the 2016 draft. The insurance policy that he had states if he did not receive an NFL offer that was at least $7.2 million, the, was the value of the contract, $7.2 million for four years, he would be covered for loss of draft value in the current contract that he had with the Cowboys after getting drafted there at 34 overall was four years, six point, almost 6.5 million. It was reported he, I think he did get about a $700,000 payout, which I would have to imagine definitely exceeded the premium that he paid for, for the insurance policy. Uh, you know, likely that he got it just before his senior year, considering he was such a projected to be such a high pick going into that year, but it seems like for anybody projected, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these college, these college juniors uh, that are, that have made their way to stardom in college football nowadays get, they, they get, you know, there, there's a large majority of, of those juniors that want to come out that don't get good advice on their draft value. And, you know, it's so funny every year it's, you know, this many juniors coming out, well, you know, 85 of them got, you know, first and second round draft grades. It's like, well, there's only 64 picks. So, you know, there's only so many guys that can get picked. You know, not everybody can get, you know, a, a first and second round draft grade, especially when those are when, when you're just talking about juniors, right? There's going to be a lot of seniors that are taken in those first two rounds as well. So it's always funny to me because guys get duped so easily now where if you, if you have that kind of draft grade, if you get that draft grade from any of these companies that do the, those evaluations, they don't always pan out. A lot of times they don't pan out uh, because so much changes between, you know, going into your senior season and then obviously what can happen that during that season – what can happen at the combine? What can happen at the at your pro day? Private workouts, all this stuff. So much happens, uh, you know, between that evaluation where you're given that draft grade uh, prior to you know right after your junior season before you you know declare for the draft, or if you don't, you know, so much happens between the evaluation and the actual draft that it, a lot of the times it's not worth it, and guys should have gone back to school and, and kind of and kind of continued either continued the education, continued their their work on the football field and just solidify their spot in the first two rounds if they really are that good. Yeah, and I'll just just to kind of put a bow on it, I mean, we I guess we're really hoping that Ojabo had insurance. We don't really know if he did or not. It He's certainly not going to go in the top ten anymore. He's. I think he's still going to be. I mean, he'll be a steal wherever somebody no gets him. I mean, he'll still no he'll sit out this season and or or you know I, I can't imagine with an Achilles he wouldn't be back for this not season a, at all. Not um, as a rookie not draft as a rookie. pick. They'll, they'll put him on IR. Yeah. And um and he'll sit for this season and be ready for next year for for the twenty twenty three season. But I can't imagine. You know, he's going to be a steal. Somebody's probably going to take him in the third round or something like that, and uh, or maybe even the second, like Jalen Smith. 
was for the Cowboys, but he's going to be a steal for for anybody yep. that uh, is kind of just looking for some some future depth and uh, you know a, a star player who's sitting on the bench for a year. We will wait to see how that shakes out. Prayers, obviously, for him and his surgery and and all of the the recovery. I know that's a tragic, tragic injury that seems to be happening more often now than it has ever. Last thing before we move into March Madness, MLB spring training games have begun. Normalcy seems to have returned, except for the fact that Freddie Freeman will not be wearing an Atlanta Braves jersey anymore. Seemingly for the entire time that you and I have watched the Braves, Freddie Freeman has been either in the farm system or lighting it up, hitting absolute tanks at the first base spot. And he has just signed a monstrous deal with the LA Dodgers. I figured this was going to happen. I'm disappointed that it has, but I can't say that I blame him. I mean, he won a he won a World Series. He brought a championship to a city that had not won a championship since 1995. And now it's time for him to go make some serious, serious coin. Yeah, he he uh, he definitely got the bag um, out there in L.A. And the funny thing is, he just won the championship, just won the World Series, and there's a really good chance he's going to win it again this year. Because the Dodgers, I mean, they, these past couple years, they they have been as stacked as as any baseball team in history. I feel like we say that about them every single year, though. Every single year since like 2016, when they, or maybe it was 2017, when they when they played Houston in the World Series, I feel like it's the Dodgers have just been collecting players and players and just signing. They, they don't these care. Guys the salary cap means nothing to no. them. And and really, I mean, there are a couple teams in the league, the Yankees and the Red Sox, and and. LA, there are a couple big market teams that for as long as you can remember have not cared. They just will pay the luxury tax. It doesn't matter. But the Dodgers with Freddie Freeman are, if they weren't already already a World Series favorite, they are now. The Yankees, did you you traded for Josh Donaldson? We traded for Josh Donaldson and re-signed uh, Rizzo. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who's a uh, has really come on past couple years as a good kind of utility guy. He can catch, he can play shortstop, he can play third base, he can kind of do a little bit of everything, which is exactly what the Yankees needed. Uh, we don't really have an out and out catcher at the moment, but I mean, it, it, it's the fan base is frustrated because everybody really wanted that top tier. Shortstop, and there were there was a hand, you know, there was there was a few on the market this year, you know, namely Carlos Correa and Trevor Story, which we will get to here in a minute, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it, it, to not land either of those guys, I mean, to obviously see Trevor Story go to the Red Sox, where he might not even be playing shortstop. Let's go. Uh, it's it Let's is go. it is frustrating. So I, yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. The Red Sox were very, very aggressive to go out and get Trevor Story. They've been recruiting him for a long time. And I saw a report that even Xander Bogarts, their starting shortstop, was recruiting Trevor Story to come to the Red Sox. I don't know if Story's going to probably go to play third, second, third base. He's play third. Uh, do you put Bogarts at, at second base? I think Bogarts is legit at short. I mean, I feel like Devers, you can't move Devers out of the third base spot. You could throw Devers at first. I mean, that's what they did. That's what the Blue Jays did to uh, Vladito. Devers at first, Story at third, Bogarts at shortstop? Yeah, who's the second baseman? Oh, this has, this says this says Trevor Story is at second. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's what they're doing then. Bobby Dalbeck first, Trevor Story second, Devers at third, Bogarts at short. 
Yeah, Bobby, Bobby uh, Dahlbeck, he was okay last year. I had him on my fantasy team for a little bit. He's really just a power guy. Definitely, 240. Yeah, definitely not high contact. But he's he's a young dude, so you know he'll 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 have they'll they'll give him time to grow into that spot. But uh, I mean, yeah, just finishing up on the Yankees is definitely frustrating. If you put our lineup, but our our best lineup when they are hitting on all cylinders can match up with anybody. Maybe not the Dodgers. I don't really know. But I mean, it, you know, it's it's going to be another great season regardless. I'm you know I'm I am super looking forward to to this season, especially because they're, you know, they, they teased us for a while that there wouldn't be one or that it would be delayed for a good bit. Can't wait for it to get started. I, I think I'm going to be able to hit a few new stadiums uh, when I drive back to Buffalo. So maybe, maybe hitting Kansas City and maybe hitting uh, the Chicago White Sox. So those are two that I would like to uh, – that I would like to knock off my list. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. The last thing I saw with the Red Sox was that they were wearing a patch in honor of Jerry Remy, who has just recently passed away. Jerry passed away in October, and he played for the Red Sox from 78 to 1984, was an all-star for them from Massachusetts and was the longtime Nesson radio and TV broadcaster for the Red Sox broadcast. Cool to see that they are wearing a patch, just remembering him. Played second baseman for the Sox. And if you've listened to a Red Sox broadcast, he has a very memorable, recognizable, hard Boston accent. And he will be missed by the fan base sorely. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Last weekend was absolute chaos in March Madness. We knew that it was going to be that way. It's that way every single year. But this year almost blew that completely out of the water. Upsets all over the place. Baylor is out in the first weekend. Auburn's out in the first weekend. Dude, what just happened? What did we just watch? Yeah, uh, (laughs) we watched March Madness. It's a very fitting name because that's exactly what happened. Um, I was was glued to the screen as much as I could be. I watched a ton of games, which is, you know, this – this first weekend, I mean, Chris and I hit on it a little bit last year. It's, I, I'd said it's one of the best – sorry, last week. I said it's one of the best weekends of the whole year, uh, not just sure. the sporting For calendar. Sure. But, uh, I mean, th- Thursday through Sunday when there's games on, you know, every minute basically of the day uh, – of the afternoon until you go to sleep uh, it is, is, is great, especially when there's so many – Upsets going on, and we have a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. How can you beat that? That is Cinderella story. Cinderella I'm having, story. I'm having a hard time thinking of like three day spans of sports that are better. Maybe the Masters, and maybe like New Year's bowl games. I I think. The but Masters, outside of that, I don't think that there is. I think the Masters is a different kind of entertainment. It's a different kind of exciting than March Madness is. I, I get where you're going. This is just my opinion. I think it's a it's a different a different level of excitement. I get very excited to watch the Masters. I get very excited to watch March Madness. I think I am a little more locked in on Thursday, Friday than I am to the Masters. Everybody kind of watches, you know, more people tune in once Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. obviously. Um, But, you know, in terms of the weekend as a whole, I think March Madness is number one 
for sure. But I uh, wanted to hit a little bit on our after the snap uh, bracket challenge. Uh, I put some notes in here last night as I was uh, reviewing. They blew our minds. Like so many, so many entries. Yeah, I think it's I over mean, 160. Just unbelievable. Yeah, very, I think very. It yeah. says 100. And, yeah, 161 brackets. There you were go. Made. Yeah, incredible. Somebody's going to win uh, some tickets to. Uh, one of the Ferguson Bowls this year because neither you or obviously, I. They'll obviously want to come to Miami and hang out in the sunshine and watch the Bills play the Dolphins, right? I mean, I mean unless unless the game in Buffalo is early in the season. Maybe they'll want to wait. One. Maybe they'll want to wait to go to a Buffalo game when you guys have a new stadium. So, one, yeah, I wanted to hit on the bracket challenge a little bit. Uh, just a little pat on the back for myself. Uh, I called the first-round upset of Alabama. I knew they were an up-and-down team all season, and the team that won their play-in game, uh, they, it, had not been fin- it was not finished yet when we were recording last week, but I did say the winner of that game would beat Alabama. So, uh, pat on the back for me. And also uh, Miami, I did mark Auburn-Miami as one of the best second-round matchups of the bracket. Uh, if they did meet up and it lived up to the hype, Miami beat them, I think, by like 17 in the end. They, yeah. they kind of clamped down on the end, and it went from like the last minute of the game, uh, I think Auburn was down maybe like 10 and then I know Chris is, is loving this when I'm, when I'm talking about Auburn just get, getting pounded. Uh, I think in the last minute of the game, Chris, did you watch uh, the end of this game? I did not. I have not watched a minute of NCAA basketball, but also to pat myself on the back, I filled out a bracket last Thursday morning at like 2 a.m. in a I can't sleep. So I'll put a bracket in the group and pat on the back. I picked. UNC to win. Oh, nice. I picked Baylor yeah, to win. Nice. I picked UNC to beat Baylor. Nice. There you go. Chris also said that this was the first time he's picked a bracket since Carmelo Anthony was at Syracuse. 2005 champs, baby. Yeah, I remember watching that game in Knoxville at Mama C's house. The uh, what was I? I lost my train of thought. Oh, the uh, the end of the Auburn game. They were down by like ten with like a minute, minute and a half left, and Miami was still putting the clamps down. Auburn was just going down and chucking up a three, and then Miami was like locked down defense. It would take it down and score an easy layup, and they just built – they like beat, they beat them by like 18 or something, whatever it was. But, yeah, so pat on the back for Reed. Auburn, back. Auburn looked like a completely different team from the first three quarters of the season to now. Yeah. Like – just got undressed in the SEC championship tournament uh, in the tournament, got undressed in the tournament in the NCAA tournament, just bad basketball. Yeah. So, uh, so hitting on the, after the snap bracket challenge group, myself Reed, I'm tied for 113th. I'm in the 36th percentile uh, for correct picks not ideal, probably my worst bracket performance in recent memory. Normally, I am, I do pretty well. Uh, this is not one of those years. Um, Blake, you are tied for 41st. You are in the 77th percentile. That is very good uh, considering um, a lot of the majority upset picks didn't happen in the first, first, uh, first round mainly. But congrats to you. Pat on the back for for Blake there. Uh, And then going into... um, Producer Chris is tied for 97th. Okay, so Chris is beating me. Chris picked Gonzaga to win it all, so his his pick is still... His champ is still alive. I picked Baylor. I'm done. I'm like so... I mean, I'm I'm hanging on to 41st, but it... I mean, my... You're going down. Your stock is down. my max is like six ninety. Oh yeah, and the the nice. the max the max that's like still available is like in the seven is like in the seventeen hundreds. Like yes. I'm 
I am not going to do well. So that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm barely hanging on in our family group that we have with uh, some of our cousins and grandparents and stuff. I, I picked Gonzaga. So I'm, I'm hanging on to that one. Hopefully I can, can top, top that, uh, that standings, but the, after the snap bracket challenge is not going well, not looking good for either mm-hmm. one of all three of us really. Uh, so we, we do have a clear first through fourth place. And I'm not going to read the ESPN usernames. I'm just going to read the bracket title. Uh, first place, we have Austin. Uh, so in second place, we have IH Man, uh, who picked Virginia Tech as his winner. So not great there. They are already out of the tournament. He was, I think, he, I think IH Man. I'm sorry, I do not know your real name. He was in first, I think, after the first day. And he was up near the top, I think, after Friday and or Saturday, he was hanging around the top. So uh, he's, done, he, he's done pretty well uh, throughout the first weekend. Um, in third place, we have Fins Up 97. Uh, They're holding strong. In fourth place, we have the Holy Horns, and they have the current highest max available points in the whole group of 1690. Um, Blake, that is just a shade higher than your max points. Uh, that you mentioned um, a few minutes ago, like <laughs> about a thousand points. Um, Six ninety. So yeah, <laughs> not even close. Uh, and then we have a okay. So the Holy Horns is in fourth, looking good for them. And we have uh, the the Holy Horns is uh, they picked Kansas to win it all. Uh, just to uh, note that, and uh, we have a ten way tie for fifth. You know, it, it's pretty close at the top. Uh, there's about 60 points between first and fifth, uh, which you know going into this weekend is is just uh, it, w- it would take two games to make that up, two correct picks to make that because the, uh, the the points become more at a premium in this second weekend uh, because the first the first two rounds I think were uh, 10 and 20 points and then uh, 40 and I believe 80. For if you if you pick a correct Sweet 16 game and get your Elite Eight uh, team correct, you get 40 plus 40 points, and then uh, plus 80 if you pick that team to win in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. You know it's it's going to be another great weekend. I mean this this weekend also super looking forward to it as well. Uh, it's going to be you know a lot of great matchups. I know we're about to hit on those a couple. Uh, a couple of those right now. So a couple of the matchups I, I noted kind of the, just my top three that I was really looking forward to. And, and I think one of the obvious first ones is Gonzaga, Arkansas, the you know overall number one seed Gonzaga uh, facing off against Arkansas. Arkansas I really thought was, you know, if they weren't in Gonzaga's bracket in their quarter of the bracket, I probably would have picked them to go further. Uh, they're three and zero against LSU this year. You know, one of those games we were out a couple players, but you know, JD Note, he was uh, the leading scorer in the SEC, averaging almost twenty points a game, which is which is really, you know, impressive. You know, being the SEC, how good that conference was this year. And then also, uh, Jalen Williams is is widely regarded as one of the best big men in the whole country. He's averaging. Pretty much a double double. I think he's right at like nine point eight rebounds a game, uh, and and over ten points a game. Um, but it'll be interesting to see to see kind of Arkansas's two uh, major dudes, JD Note and Jalen Williams, going up against uh, Gonzaga, who are they, they pretty much have freaks at every position, and I think they are averaging. I mean, their starting five is they're all averaging double digits, and their their center. Chet Holmgren, who who kind of made a lot of waves the other night when they uh, when they beat Memphis, he's pretty much averaging a double double as well. That's kind of my number one matchup for this weekend, Blake. Um, That's my second matchup that I'm looking forward to this weekend. We'll I'll get into my my number one here momentarily, but I was looking up just some of the betting lines on on this matchup. Minus nine for Gonzaga, which very surprising. Kind of, 
I kind of take that one with a grain of salt just because of the seeding. I think that, you know, number one, Gonzaga, they're going to get, they're going to get at least seven points, you know, seven to 10 points is kind of where I would give them just a lock in any matchup uh, that they're not playing against another number one seed. They're also, Gonzaga is also my last hope, as I mentioned earlier in my other bracket pool. So um, I did select Gonzaga to win this matchup in the, in the after the snap bracket challenge. So my pick is on Gonzaga to win this matchup. I'm super, super pumped for this one. 99% of betters have taken the Gonzaga money line. A lot of people think Gonzaga is going to win. However, Arkansas could give them a run for their money. And I, th- my- I think they will give them a run for their money. Plus, minus nine is just astounding. My number one matchup for this weekend is Purdue versus St. Peter's. I am now like it, it was the 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 Loyola team a couple of years ago that yep. everybody was like falling in love with the uh like the nun who is like the the mother uh she's like the team chaplain matriarch (laughs) um and now it's saint peter's they they are on a roll they beat auburn um and i mean they're they're the new lovable lovable team so i'm i'm pumped for that matchup they're i mean it's 12 and a half for purdue that's a, I mean, it's a fifth. They're a 15 seed, so I'm I'm not expecting a whole lot. But again, it's a it's a, one of those Cinderella March Madness stories. Anything can happen. I think St. Peter's will cover the 12 and a half. We'll see how it goes. Um, I did want to mention uh, Coach Holloway from St. Peter's had a had an amazing quote the other day. Um, he says, I've got guys from New Jersey and New York City. You think we're scared of anything? You think we're worried about guys trying to muscle us out? We do that. And I was like, oh, like that, that fired me up. He like, he's taken his guys and he is ready to roll. So they showed up to March Madness ready to play and you got to give them credit. When you sent me that quote, I was like, okay. Okay, I can. I was like, I can get, I can get on board with these guys. I can get, I can get right. on board with this. No question. Um, I was able to catch a little bit of their first and second round games, but uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, that one, uh, that one did not make my top three. My my second on my list. I know you mentioned your second was the Gonzaga Arkansas game. My second is, uh, I think, another popular game is the Duke Texas Tech game, which is Duke two seed. Texas Tech as the three seed, probably a very popular matchup from a bracket uh, perspective, just being a couple of the higher seeds in that region, making it out to the Sweet 16. But um, Duke is actually a one-point underdog, which I thought was interesting, being the higher seed, historical blue blood, Coach K's final, you know, his final season, final tournament. And that's really the the storyline that I'll be following. I know that's that's pretty much what everybody will be watching for. Myself, growing up, somewhat of a, uh, a you know pretty big North Carolina fan. Uh, obviously, dislike Duke to a high level. So I will be cheering hard for the Red Raiders to knock out Duke and Coach K on their final ride. But interesting tidbit: Duke has the second ranked offense in the country versus Texas Tech's seventh-ranked defense, which is something I can get behind uh, given that LSU had uh, one of the top-ranked defenses this season as well. So uh, it will be interesting. I think, you know, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably bet Duke just because that's, that's you know, 64. I'm looking at it right now. 64% of the public money is on Duke to cover the one-point underdog spread. But, you know, I will be cheering hard for the Red Raiders. That's my second favorite game going into this weekend. I did want to make one clarification before I got into our top, our, our number three matchup. St. Peter's beat Kentucky. I, I misspoke. I said Auburn earlier. They beat Kentucky in the first round and then Murray State in the second round. I, I 
misspoke we'll earlier. We'll get into Murray State here in a little bit. Wanted to clarify that. My third third game that I'm looking forward to this weekend is number two Villanova taking on number 11 seed Michigan. Minus five for Nova. And I've got Michigan on upset alert versus Nova. I've got Nova in my final four. So I just think that from what we've seen, I, I think that this is this is the biggest opportunity for for an upset. I have Tennessee winning this matchup. <laughs> so <laughs> I had Tennessee beating well this is this is actually terrible. I had Tennessee beating Colorado State. I had Colorado State winning the first round matchup versus Michigan. So I, I didn't even have Michigan getting this far. I don't think many people did. I have Tennessee winning this matchup, so really it doesn't matter what I picked because clearly I was not right. But 72% have taken the Michigan money line. I think that things are kind of swaying in that direction. Villanova seems like a very beatable team. They've beaten Delaware. They beat Ohio State. They're, I'm sure, coming into this game feeling good, feeling confident. But I've got Villanova on upset alert versus Michigan. Yeah, I've got, like I said, I had Villanova in my Final Four. I actually have them in my championship, losing to Gonzaga. So I'm still on the board for my title contenders. Uh, so my max points is still, we're still, we're, we're, we're still hanging on. We're hanging on by a thread. I like that game. Uh, no, Villanova is always, I mean, Jay Wright has always got those boys up and going, obviously uh, becoming uh, champions a few years back. They're always going to be in it. They're always going to be a, a relatively high seed. They just play great basketball year in and year out. And they're, they're, I'm, I'm always going to pick them to go far in the tournament because they have yet to prove me wrong. But So my final favorite matchup, my third matchup of the weekend to watch for is the old Blue Blood matchup. UCLA versus North Carolina. Four seed versus the four seed. Uh, Bruins versus the eight seed Tar Heels. When I made my bracket, I picked UCLA. It was hard for me to pick. I actually picked uh, Baylor to beat North Carolina. I, I, I didn't think UNC had the juice to get past Baylor, uh, especially because Baylor was the reigning champs. Uh, but Baylor did not. They did not play well. Uh, actually, they they came back from a, from a huge huge deficit. But uh, UCLA two and a half point favorite. Obviously, I mentioned UNC defeated Baylor, the number number one seed Baylor last round. Uh, but as I was looking at it and doing some research, this is one of the statistically more even games of the Sweet 16, even though uh, Carolina is an eight seed. If you kind of go down the list uh, as far as field goal percentage, field goal percentage, blocks, points, I mean, they're, they're very – they're very close across the board, so I think this is going to be a great game. Obviously, historically speaking, these are two of the most storied uh, programs in college basketball history. So uh, all eyes will be on that one. That is uh, the second-to-last game of the weekend on Sunday night at 8.40 Central Time. Well, it sounds like we are set for a huge Thursday and Friday, second weekend of March Madness. One last thing that we want to touch on before we get into some short snaps here at the end. We've got a new head coach in Baton Rouge. While we hate to see Will Wade, our captain, our general, our fearless leader, an American gangster, pack his bags, and head on down the road. We are pumped about the new hire that Scott Woodward has made, turned around in a very, very, very quick fashion, has brought in Murray State head coach Matt McMahon, and I'm pumped. The dude's got tournaments under his belt. John Morant, number two overall pick. I mean, that's that's great for recruiting. Like, it's... It all seems seems like positives for me when I look at this hire. The tough thing is, I mean, obviously, sanctions are coming, 
And that's something that he's going to have to uh, work around and recruit around. But, uh, you know, I'm a believer. I think uh, taking Murray State, uh, you know, they, they've, like you said, they have advanced, he's advanced in March Madness a few times, obviously developed John Morant into the number two overall pick and current uh, NBA superstar. I mean, you, you, you get John Morant to come around uh, the facilities down there in Baton Rouge a few times especially when some of those recruits are coming to visit, uh, it's going to be pretty easy to flip, flip some of those young guys that are, that are such big fans of some of those NBA superstars to come play in Baton Rouge. So, uh, and, and as I as, as we talk about this, unfortunately, LSU has lost two five stars and one four star recruit since Will Wade was fired. It is it, the, the wheels are unfortunately start. They, they have come off. I was going to say starting to come off, losing two five-star and a four-star recruit, the wheels are off. Um, but hopefully Matt McMahon can can get that turned around. I think, though, that that's something that you expect any time that you fire and bring in a new coach. Like, there, this isn't a coach that these guys were probably recruited by. I mean, Murray State, you're not, you're not going out and getting the top – you know, top five stars and four stars in the country, you're, you're developing under recruited talent. And so For sure. these guys, these guys don't have relationships with Matt McMahon where they would, you know, feel comfortable just staying on and, and finishing out their recruitment with him. I think we saw that with, I think we saw that with the Brian Kelly hire on the football side. I mean, there were recruits that LSU lost as soon as Coach O left and, and they brought in a, a new coach. And you see that all the time in basically every sport. So the, the key is going to be how well can he bring in either new five stars, new five, four and five stars, or bring those guys back and, and finish strong with those guys, even though they've opened their recruitment that doesn't mean that they're out on LSU. It just means that they're listening to other other people. It'll be interesting to see. I think overall, it's still a great hire. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, let's get into a few short snaps. Short snaps. Stip snap, stip snap, stip snap. All the news that's fit to kick. Uh, one that I had that I wanted to chat about uh, and kind of get your thoughts on. Um, did you see or hear about uh, the new college baseball? I think Vanderbilt was trying it out, um, and they're they're really have, have notably been on the forefront of a lot of uh, pitch pitching um, technology. They they've had a couple great pitchers, not a couple. They've had many great pitchers come through that program. They were trying out a new technology that basically was able to communicate uh, the pitch from the catcher to the pitcher as well as the infielders so they could better expect where the ball might be hit when it comes off the bat. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? More technology in baseball. I don't hate it. There's going to have to be some sort of regulation to, to make sure that, you know, there's not outside fishiness going on, but I think, I mean, I think that that's the way that that it's going in sports across the board. I mean, you see d- different technology added in in different ways in different sports all the time. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. I differ a little bit. You know, I, I agree that technology is ever changing and ever improving. Technology advances in sports are bound to happen year in and year out. Just from a competition competitive standpoint I feel I feel like this we're moving in the opposite direction because you know a lot of MLB players are actually voted in favor of removing the shift and I think it is getting removed here in a couple years uh, there's going to be more rules around you know having a certain amount of players on each side of second base and so it, it, it is going to be interesting kind of how it affects the college game versus uh, the, the major leagues. But I, I just – when I saw it, I was kind of like that's 
I like it really if you're just talking about catcher to pitcher because you know I get it sign stealing is a thing you know tipping tipping pitches all this kind of stuff that that's that's a real thing especially in the major leagues where it's become so public over the last probably half decade or so but uh, yeah I, I just not not a fan of, of kind of everybody being in on what pitch is coming and you, so you know where it, where it's going I think that takes a little bit of the fun and randomness out of baseball. The second short snap that we have for this week is a headline you might have seen. Monday Night Football has selected their new commentators. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are moving from Fox to ESPN and will be the hosts of Monday Night Football. They've decided to take their talents to Monday night and they have been calling games for two dec- over two decades now together and they're the seemingly the most iconic duo in all of football commentating. And I think that this is going to bring a sort of livelihood to back to Monday night football. I think that over the last few years they've sort of struggled to find a, a group of of commentators that people really are are behind and I mean we we talked about it last year the uh, Peyton and Eli broadcast was was great stride that was the sort of alternative broadcast but I think that this is going to be a really solid one-two punch for Monday Night Football going forward people like to give Joe Buck a hard time just because he can be a little cheesy sometimes but that's why people love, love them, and that's why they've been around for so long. So um, I think that this is a great, great, great get for ESPN. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, Chris and I hit, you know, I, I got Chris's thoughts on it last week. Um, he loved it. Obviously, it presents a little bit of a issue with, like you, like you mentioned, with the Manning cast, um, because that was such a hit last season. Um, it's going to be – Definitely something to keep an eye on with because I love Joe Buck. I think he gets a lot of unwarranted hate on social media, really, uh, especially during baseball season. Um, but but it's going to be weird. I mean, Chris mentioned, and I didn't even it didn't even dawn on when dawn on me when we were chatting about it last week. He's not going to be doing the World Series anymore, which I think is. It, I mean, it, it, I love watching the World Series because Joe Buck does it. Um, so it's going to be – it will be interesting to see who Fox gets to replace them. I haven't seen any news on that yet. Obviously, uh, Joe Buck could do some of the ESPN, the Sunday Night Baseball stuff Night if he baseball. wants to get yeah. back in, in with baseball at ESPN. Uh, Matt Baskersian, obviously one of the best ones there as well. According to Joe Buck's contract with ESPN, uh, it does not call for him to do any baseball. So that is no more a, Joe Buck. That's a baseball. tragedy. That is an it absolute is, it is. tragedy. It does say that he signed a five-year, $75 million deal with ESPN to come on for Monday Night Football. Troy Aikman has signed a five-year, $90 million contract, that tying Tony Romo uh, of CBS for the largest annual NFL TV salary. Both of those deals – We'll take them through 2027. That is when ESPN will broadcast the Super Bowl. That was very strategic, I'm sure, by ESPN, ABC um, to get them all to get their contracts all the way through when ESPN will be hosting the Super Bowl. Definitely. Well, that is a wrap on this week's episode of After the Snap. As always, you can follow us on social media at After the Snap Pod both on Instagram and Twitter. Go to Spotify, iTunes, however you consume our podcast. Subscribe. uh, Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. That's how we grow. As always, thanks for listening. This has been After the Snap, Tales from Two Brothers Who Live Life Upside Down.